My name is Will. I'm a student leader and team building expert. And I'm Mohammed, an avid content creator and student. Welcome to Uni Unplugged, the weekly podcast for students by students, where we help you get the most out of university. In this episode, we discuss our future plans, where we want to be in five years' time, and how we'll get there, before moving on to the topic of goal setting and how you yourself can develop a long term plan and start moving towards it. We cover a variety of tips and tricks to optimize your development and finish off with some key takeaways for success. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Simo, what's your plan for the next year? My plan for the next year? That's a lot of time. It is a lot of time. <laughs> but what are you going to fill it with? What are your what are your plans, your goals? Um, so throughout my three years at uni, I've been very work slash career focused, which makes sense being at university. Um, I've mentioned before, I've wanted to fill my time. with as many like opportunities, experiences as possible and like I said, a lot of that has related to more of the career side of things. So in engineering, um, I guess more recently than before, I've started to, to go to more conferences, more um, like networking workshops, events, that kind of thing. But looking into the next year, I would definitely want to build on that. And in some sense, like it's hard to think like, um, I guess, finalize it in some way because it will be my fourth year, which for... Um, MN students is the final year of their course and it, it it sort of feels like you know obviously you're coming to the end of your degree you want to get to a point where you're like you're, you're set to springboard off of whatever experience you have into a, a full career like getting a job um, and so a lot of my focus has been positioning myself in a way where as soon as I'm done by what June July next year I'm like set in some sense with career prospects and even though a lot of my work recently or throughout the past three years has been building towards that it feels like um with things like leading project kestrel and building my personal brand um i can get to a point where i feel like some sense of completion with everything um and i'm ready to start that next step in my journey i think that's a really good good way of looking at it like bring things to completion, round round everything off, because what what you've done, what we've done, and a lot of people have done throughout university, like they do lots of different student projects and societies. So actually being able to sort of get to an end point with with your degree as well as sort of like the rest of the extracurricular stuff. Yeah, I think will be be a really nice way to end university because it's a massive portion of your life. Mm. Like four years, that's like doing A levels twice. <laughs> you know, it's the it's the difference between not starting your GCSEs and finishing A levels, and when I think about it like that, it's it's just crazy how long we we're, we're gonna have been here. Yeah, I can even think about doing a PhD. Oh God, yeah, and I, this isn't even accounting for the fact that like people in medicine or architecture are here for another like three four years. Yeah, or at least they'll be in in education, right? Like they have to yeah. do their like placement years and stuff. Yeah. Um. That's not something that you wanted to do, a placement year. I considered it for ages, like on and off, because I'd always hear other people talking about it, trying to find them or thinking about transferring. I've never had close ties with any specific company in particular to the point where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm like set on staying with these people for a year. Like the common opinion from my experience among students is that if you do end up getting a year in industry or a placement year with a company, more often than not, they're willing to offer you a job after that. Um, and so I guess in some sense, I've had like cold feet with it where mm. I've not been ready to take that step, even to begin with, with that placement year with a, a specific company and say, okay, I'm willing to go for a year and potentially more just because uh, we can talk about this later. I've had doubts on like the, the specific career path I want to go into as well. Mm. Yeah, I think with placement years compared to like summer placements or just doing things over summer, I just thought that they were more efficient with your time, right? Mm. Because a placement year will add a year onto the time that you spend in education. 
and it will delay your career starting by a year. And I think when I came out of my 12-week placement last summer, I think I, I knew that that was the right decision to make because by the end of the 12 weeks, I'd, I'd had enough, mm. you know. And if I'd done that for a year, you know, for another nine months after that, I, I really think I would have come back to uni just really demotivated as well. It feels like a huge, well, well it really is. It's a huge break away from education and it, it breaks you out of your rhythm, essentially, is what I've heard from people who do end up doing that. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people, or I've asked a lot of people coming back from placement and they've all said that it's been quite difficult to get back into sort of the swing of uni mm. because as much as your job will give you that sort of like nine to five, like coming back to uni, it's very much back on you. So over over summer when, you know, I had that sort of nine to five, after five o'clock, you know, you don't think about that anymore. Yeah. But with university and sort of the extracurricular stuff that often comes with that, it's it's more of a full-time thing, like 24 hours of the day, mm. you know, maybe not when you're sleeping, of course, but like, <laughs> um, but yeah, you're, you're often thinking about uni or thinking about that extracurricular thing for a larger proportion of the day, yeah. I would say. It brings me back to that, <laughs> the idea that I've always had around this like the, the jump between a career and education in that you don't get homework when you're <laughs> a job <laughs> you don't have to you, you can just switch off and you don't have to do any work for the next day I mean I guess if you're like overtime or if there's a project due then obviously that does come into it but yeah it's always felt like that that's been a really key difference where it's like it, it just feels like you're focused on more things for more hours of the day when you're in education versus getting to just separate your work and your other aspects of your life Yeah, in a career. I'd agree with that. So what are you doing this summer? What are your plans for this summer? If you're not going to do placement year, are you going to do anything over summer? Yeah, so to be confirmed, um, I've, I, I'm set on um, doing my best to get a shore project this time, which for those of you who don't know is the Sheffield Undergraduate Research experience experience that's it um which is essentially a six-week program that the university runs um they give you some funding to run your own sort of uh, research project in whatever field you choose with whatever subject or topic you choose you submit a proposal and work with an academic supervisor at the university to do that um that's always seemed interesting to me and it, it's felt like something that i could tie in quite well with the student project kestrel that mm -hmm. we're doing um, and apart from that, I, I'm still on the lookout for an internship really over okay. summer. Yeah. So like maybe a, a six week one for sort of the back end of the summer? Um, or are you going to do them in parallel? I, I wasn't opposed to doing them in parallel to oh, be honest, no. from what I've heard. <laughs> Should we re-listen to the last episode about, <laughs> about burnout and saying no? Thing is though, maybe, okay, we've discussed this before, but maybe it feels like right now to me that, um, if I do do them in parallel, it's not as much of a... <laughs> I'm going to have fun listening back to this uh, when it actually comes time to do it. Oh, yeah. But it's not as, as much of a workload, like, uh, what's it called? Workload imbalance as, like, taking up multiple different student projects and your uni work during term time. Like, if it's only two things to focus on, part of me is like, that can't be that much, right? <laughs> we, we spoke about this in... In Christmas, uh, like during Christmas as well, yeah. where when you have less on your plate, it's often easy to think about like the future and how easy it could be to do multiple things. Yeah. Because at that point in time, you're not very stressed. But if you went to like a point where you were really stressed in your life, like exam, like middle of exam season, you know, like you're just about to sit your exam. Mm. If you had to like say what you wanted to do in the summer, it'd probably be a lot less than when like that four weeks beforehand you were chilling at home. And I would say also that you're going to have project lead of Kestrel to plan for. This is very true. If you think about the amount of hours that we put in over last summer, um, that was like the other thing that I did alongside the internship. And that like nearly killed me. <laughs> and it's probably why I came to uni that semester so burnt out right. already. Mm. Um, so yeah, food for thought. I'm, I, I feel like I'm kind of deceiving myself into thinking, oh, I can do... Preparation for next year for Kestrel and the Shore Project at the same time. Because they're kind of the same thing. 
And a part of me thinks like the more I can meld those ideas together and get them to work in tandem, the better it is because it's an it, it's easier mentally and in terms of workload. Yeah, I could see that. I've always liked the idea. This is sort of an aside, but I feel like it's really it, it's a superpower to be able to look at different opportunities in your life and find ways of getting them to work together. Yeah. One example that I remember just off the top of my head is this podcast and the other podcasts that I'm running with my part-time job at the uni, mm-hmm. which are basically the same thing. And I was like, whoa, this can this can work in tandem. And it worked so well. That's good. Yeah. You see, I'm also planning on doing a short scheme over summer. Yeah. Fingers crossed I get on. We'll we'll look at this back <laughs> if we have or have not. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to do mine in a more, because you're doing yours in like, managing a project kind of like network diagrams and how to like task track and that sort of thing yeah so i'm going to go down a bit more like technical route and try and look into um airflow around different aerodynamic bodies and drag reduction systems and trying to reduce the amount of fuel that like an aircraft would have to burn essentially trying you know sustainability stuff right okay yeah um so i (laughs) this is sort of going on to like the the planning part like goal setting a little bit mm. but at the start of september i created this plan for myself where i was like okay you've got this lecturer that you know about called jose yeah and you're gonna have a lot of opportunity to to meet with him and talk to him so my goal was basically to befriend him right, right. so i went to every coffee session you know I, I was very much like a teacher's pet but it it meant that then i was on sort of good terms with him and could ask him to do this for me and be my supervisor yeah for the shore scheme and he said yes, lo and behold. So it was worth it. Amazing. Um, but yes, that's my plan for summer. And then also similar vein to you with like the personal branding stuff. I think second half of the summer, I'm going to try and put a lot more time into creating these like or planning like team building workshops mm. that I could run for student projects. Because I think as much as lots of student projects have like good events and socials and stuff, I don't think that they have a lot of like soft skill training socials or or workshops in that sense like yeah they're going to get a lot out of it in terms of like their actual student project that they're doing but to have like a social where you go essentially one of my ideas is like a puzzle box right Right. yeah so it could be for like the leadership team which doesn't necessarily get to work as a team in in a technical setting and it, it could just be a good way to sort of introduce like that team working aspect and try and figure out how they can communicate better, Mm. how they can develop their skills more. um, And also let that leadership, like individual in the group take control as well and try and see how they delegate and give them some like one-to-one advice on it. Um, And it will be sort of just for, for any student project, it will just be something they can do as well. And it's like very much, okay, we're just going to sign up to this and go along to that on this, this Thursday or something, you know? Right. And then, then I'll do that like every week. Have you thought of, Sorry, have you thought of um, extending it to other project like societies? Yeah. So I was thinking about potentially doing it for like committees because that's probably where, you know, in terms of like training could come in. However, it could also just be like a general, I don't know, a general team building activity for just people in any society or Mm. just people at uni who would be interested in doing it. Um, But it's kind of in the works at the moment, but... It's kind of why I've said no to some other things, like right. like in my head anyway, or sort of to people that I've talked to about it. So I don't want to go do society president or, or anything sort of in that vein. Yeah. I'm going to try and like work on myself a bit more, Yeah, if that makes sense. That's kind of my plan for the next year mm. is to do that. Um, because yeah, I really enjoy the personal branding side of things. So I'm going to, I'm going to continue that. Mm. So moving on from one year, we'll go a little bit further into the future. And where can you see yourself in five years' time? Um, I know that's quite a long way away. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hmm. You'll I, be 27? I will be 27. Oh, my 27, God. 27, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I'll be 26. Yeah. Um, I am potentially... Well, I, I'm, <laughs> for the time being, I'm going to throw the ball back in your court because I need time <laughs> to think about this. <laughs> okay, okay. Five years' time. Now, hmm. I feel like most people, maybe this is, maybe this isn't true, but most people will have like a goal of where they want to be when they're X years old. Right. Um, so my plan was always to go to university and then get a job after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'd, it'd probably still be the same. So probably wouldn't do it, go down the PhD route. 
I'd probably go down like trying to get into a, a grad job or, you know, some sort of engineering design career. Like, I don't think I want to go into project management anymore. Interesting. Um, I still think a leadership position eventually as like a design engineer could be quite fun. Um, potentially going into like a smaller startup as like in a small team could be quite fun. Um, a bit more volatile, I suppose, in terms of job security, but um, could be fun. Um, I have a dream job. Oh, you do? I do. Yeah. Which is working for a company called Animal Dynamics down in Oxford. Ah, oh, right. Um, which is essentially a, a tech company that does biomimicry inspired. Um, I don't know. There, there's a mixture of like drones and vehicles and like underwater sort of robots and stuff like that. So it's, it's a lot of robotics, mm. um, which is really, really cool. So I guess that would be my dream. What got you interested in that originally? My girlfriend's dad. <laughs> so oh, more, a more a who than a what? More, it was more of an introduction to who they were. Okay. Because yeah. um, my girlfriend's dad was on like the board for this company. Right. And she she was telling me about how it's the only one that she will actually listen to when her dad talks about it. <laughs> right. Because it is interesting. Yeah. Um, and I started looking into the company and I've reached out a couple times to see if they'll be interested in having a chat. To, to no real response mm. um yeah but you know perseverance i'll keep trying yeah um and then just sort of adding people from the company on like linkedin and trying to talk to the ex-ceo um and stuff like that just trying to like sort of get a, a route in and keep on track of what they're doing you know liking posts and stuff like this so hopefully that some people in the hiring team will have seen my name before i apply yeah it's kind of my goal um to show that like i have been interested in the company in a long time mm. and I will know a lot about it as well. Nice. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say if people have that dream job in mind, like try and reach out to them. There's no harm in it. Yeah. Like they're not, the, the worst they can do is ignore you or, you know, tell you, no, sorry, can't have that meeting, but it is worth a try. I feel like as much as for the larger companies or for people who have dream jobs of working in, in places where, you know, uh, the the first example I think of is like in, in the engineering world, at least uh, working at SpaceX or for Elon Musk or that sort of thing. It's like so massively popular and everyone wants to be an engineer at SpaceX because you're launching rockets off the face of the earth. Even it, even though companies like that are massively popular, I think it's still quite underrated to just send like uh, maybe not cold emails, but reach out as much as possible and network with the people that can give you those opportunities because it is a it is very much a if you don't ask you don't get sort of thing yeah yeah absolutely so i think we've stalled enough for you <laughs> what five are your year plan five yeah year plan okay five Car year career plan. plan career plan career plan yeah um all right so i'm gonna lay out my thought process for this and originally I had this, in a very similar way, I had this dream in my head where I wanted to work at a space agency in the future. And gradually, as I got into second year, third year, I figured out, okay, I want to specialize in avionics specifically, which for the people who don't know is more the coding software, electronic side of aerospace versus like structural stuff. Um, so I figured that out uh, and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm somewhat set. I know I want to get into an avionics role at a space agency. And then as I went through university, I got into drone project after drone project, <laughs> designing like quadcopters, quad planes, learning very much about the drone technology side of things. And that has since swayed my mind very much so into potentially getting a job in the drone industry in something like um, urban air mobility, which... I generally <laughs> like to describe to people who don't know it as building flying cars. Yeah. <laughs> so larger scale than sort of like delivering packages. Yes. So delivering people. Delivering people nice. in like really, 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 um, what's the word? Really urban, like busy environments, basically. So like London or New York, yeah. places like that. The companies that I've heard of or that I initially got introduced to that were working on this sort of thing um were based in like cologne germany i think mm. or other cities around germany so would you move would you go to europe um i've always 
it, it's been in my head, but it feels like such a massive decision that I'm not, I'm not really set on it either way. Okay, interesting. But yeah, in terms of a career plan, uh, right now I am still very much split between space industry, the space sector, or drone technology, and that can take me basically anywhere. Well, I'd mm. prefer to stay either in the UK or Europe, but I'm still very unsure in that sense. Yeah. To me, right now, it sort of seems like two paths. Mm-hmm. Those those paths that I've just described. Um, and I think eventually I might choose to go down one of them. I potentially thought maybe I could meld them together in some way as well, as I like to do. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But we'll see. That's kind of our plan looking forward. Now, how can how can you, the listener, mm. create a plan now as maybe like a, a first year or let's say you haven't come to university yet or even sort of years two and three you know, you've still got loads of time left in university a year is a really long time still. Yeah. How can you make the most of that time that you have left at university or will have at university? How can you make that plan that sort of we've talked about and sort of gone through? Mm. So the plan now is to hopefully outline how you can create that that goal and hopefully achieve it. Can I start us off with an interesting idea? Yes. And it's one that I've always come back to whenever I've thought about where I want to take my life in a long-term scale. Um, And it's around this idea of thinking about it from the perspective of time and money being no object at all. Like, imagine you had all the time and all the money in the world. What would you choose to do with your life? Because I think a lot of the time people limit themselves based on the environment that they're currently in which if you think about the opportunities that you don't know about that could be coming to you, it's it's not the, I guess, what's the word? It's not the most efficient way of going about it, I guess. And yeah. if, you, if you think about it from the perspective of, if I want to do something, then the resources that I need to do that will come to me naturally. Going at it from that ambitious mindset has always worked in my favor from my experience. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. Because for a lot of people, time and money are objects. Yeah. So when they create their plan, they will think about those objects and create almost realistic goals. And it's definitely, it definitely becomes a factor for sure. I'm not saying ignore time and money completely because it's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible not to um, take it into account. But at least. In your head, in your mental space, that is like the one place where you can choose to start being anything you want. I think that's definitely a good place for like conception yeah. of, of your of a goal yeah. or a dream. Yeah, the plan along the way will sort of help implement some of that time and money restrictions as you sort of go along. Mm-hmm. Okay, now where do you want to start? I think potentially one of the best places to start that a lot of people can, they might have already heard of or... Um, it's quite a good concept, is the concept of a SMART goal. Now, Mo, what does SMART mean? What does that stand for? What does SMART stand for? Yes. So SMART stands for Specific, Measurable, Achievable, Realistic, and Time-Bound, if I'm correct. It is time-bound, yes. Yes. Um, So a SMART goal basically allows you to create maybe a single sentence or a couple sentences that will explain exactly what your goal is and how you will get there. So so specific is who, what, where, when, why, which. Measurable is from and to. Achievable is how. Relevant. So that's the thing. Is it relevant or realistic? It's interchangeable, okay. what I've seen. Okay, that's fair. So that's like, why is it worthwhile? Mm-hmm. And then time bound is by when. So this is really like almost the first step in creating your goal, I would say, is create this smart goal. So for each of the letters, write down, like answer those questions. Um, and that should give you a really good outline of of what your goal is and how you will achieve that. Mm. So I think we've come at it from two very different perspectives, but both of those I think are really important in the sense of you can you can imagine yourself doing anything you want. Yeah, But the next step after that is to translate it into real life through that smart goal. 
saying, okay, maybe not even a five-year plan, not even a one-year plan, in the next day or week or however long, what can I actively do, you know, right now to start achieving something towards that? Yeah. So what are your thoughts on how many of these SMART goals to set? How many is too many? How many is too few? In your, mm. in your opinion. Yeah. So I've always thought about SMART goals as a really, a really great method of defining a goal that you choose. But having said that, I think a lot of us often have definitely more than one goal in life. Um, and it's a lot of the time, it's the case of the more goals you have, the less time you have to split between each of them. So as I've come through uni and life in general, I've realized that narrowing it down to maybe two to three, two to five, I guess, goals um, that I can consistently think back to and go, okay, this is what I'm trying to achieve right now or in the next, you know, arbitrary period of time. That brings me back to like a, a sort of central position where I have some degree of focus and I know where I'm going. I think also like in terms of what those goals actually are, I think those goals can't be, I'm going to finish watching that Netflix series <laughs> that I've been meaning to finish. That's not the sort of goal that like you should be setting for yourself for, from a career point of view. Right. You know, it should be, okay, this year I'm going to join a student project and then you can fill in the smart goal with mm. that. You know, sort of your plan through university is, I, I would say, and you, I'm, I hope you'd agree with this, is to essentially make yourself as employable as possible by the end. Because coming out with the, as we've said before, coming out with just a degree isn't enough. Like you need to be able to sort of stand out from the crowd. And if you start that sort of, that journey straight away in year one, you're going to have the best chance at it. But it doesn't mean that you can't start it later and still achieve amazing things. So yeah, create these goals thinking about your career. So almost write it out as well. I've seen some people literally sort of draw that timeline and go, okay, this is year one, two, three, four. Mm. Like, what do I want to achieve by the end of year one? And that might have some academic stuff in, like, you know, get a 2-1 by the end of first year, or it could be join a society or a sports club that you want to join. Like, they are good goals to set for sort of like your career. But then think beyond that as well. So year two, think, okay, I'd like to push myself and try and get a small leadership position or go for a committee role. And I think that mentality of thinking about pushing yourself as well. It's like, as you said, with time and money, no objects, like really think about what you want to achieve at the end of uni and sort of have it that that be the goal for the end of uni. So that could be society president or like project lead of a team or sports club captain, for example. Like they're kind of like in my in my vi vision, like the top couple things or, or like SU president, mm. you know, I feel like a lot of people come to uni and think, you know what? Yeah, that'll be my goal. But you can look at the goal far in the distance and have that as your goal. But you've got to be able to figure out how you're how you got to be able to figure out how you actually get there. And they've got to be in small incremental steps that you can sort of take off along the way. Yeah, because otherwise you're going to base yourself only on the success of that final thing rather than on the journey itself. Mm. Another point that came to mind for me was oftentimes depending on what time scale you set for yourself, uh, that, that sort of baseline of like two to five goals that I set, um, that can also change. So what I mean by that is often two to five goals is the, amount, the maximum amount that I would myself want to be juggling at one time. But if it's a, a smart goal that I'm setting for the next week, for example, and I end up completing it in a week, then you know, that's one goal down and I can move on to other things. So it's the sort of thing where you are constantly shifting the things that you're focused on, which is a natural part of life. I also realized that for us as engineering students, employability in a technical sense is often really emphasized. Um, but I think when it comes to goal setting, in a general sense, that can be about anything that you want to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not limited to university experience this this is something that you can or i will as well take through like my whole life and sort of set these goals yeah uh, for myself 
because um, I feel like you always should have at least one goal that you're working towards. Yeah. And if that one goal is like all consuming and you're really passionate about completing, the chance that you actually will will be a lot higher than sort of five things that you're like, yeah, you know, maybe if, if I completed that, it'd be okay. Mm. Um, you know, so I'd say, I'd definitely say have that one big overarching goal as well. Ah, interesting. So one overarching goal. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with what <laughs> I just said. Is in, hmm. This is fun as well because we're also learning about setting goals ourselves. Yeah. And like we're still discovering it. So we're sort of giving advice from what we've experienced and sort of the mistakes that we've made in goal setting. Yeah. For example, at the start of this year, in this book that I have in front of me now, I wrote my goals for 2023. And looking down this list, there's probably about 10 goals there. Right. Um, now, not all of them are, you know, extracurricular stuff at university. Some are sort of like um, uh, recreational, you know, it's so like climbing the three or doing the, com- like completing the three peaks challenge right. in under 24 hours. Oh, wow. That's a goal that could have way more steps towards it because like the training for it and stuff like that. But yeah. It's kind of not really on my radar compared to, I mean, on here I have like get voted on as a president of a society, hmm. which is very different now. Like I know that I don't want to do that. Right. So I think it's it's very much okay to like rescope your goals as well as you go along. For sure. Um, and to say no to things like the the importance of saying no from like a burnout point of view and your goal point of view is like really key mm. because if you don't have the power to say no, then you're going to end up picking up way too much that you can't handle. And it'll mean that you're going to sort of spread yourself too thin and those goals that you really want to complete and and those goals that you really want to complete, you know, they'll start to become less attainable, right? It'll be harder to complete them. I'm just looking back through one of my old posts on Instagram around goal setting. And I came across one point that we haven't mentioned yet which is, um, well, really, I want to ask you what your opinion is on, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, outcome-based goals versus income in terms of you putting in something versus you wanting to get something out. Ah, I see what you're saying. So the the comparison that I've given here, I've said, you can't control whether you get a six-pack. You can control showing up at the gym. So the six-pack is the outcome-based goal, I want to have a six pack by the end of 2023 and the showing up at the gym, I want to go to the gym at least once a week is the income based goal. Does, does every goal not have both parts? Um, I think it does, but it's the aspect of framing it. Mm. For me, I think I would rather set the income based goal. I've completely, I've completely, I've used that word in completely the wrong context. <laughs> But I'm calling it income now. Okay. <laughs> input, really. Oh, it's input. Yeah. Okay, that input makes way more weird. sense. <laughs> so, so input is the one where you will go to the gym. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think I would rather set an input-based goal for myself because I'm then able to track it on a longer time period. Yeah. So I feel like it's a better way of forming a habit, and as soon as you form that habit, it's going to be much easier for you to get to that outcome. But yeah, it, it's always interested me that I have been attracted to those output-based goals and framing it in a way where you can turn them into input versus output. For one thing, I feel like it puts less... I feel like it clarifies things further, really. It, it's another way for you to define what you can actually do to get towards the thing that you're trying to get to. So there's something else that I found when researching. Usually we don't research for these podcasts. No. Usually we just sort of like throw things out there, our opinion, but because like goal setting is such a like well-researched thing as well, and it's less like our personal experience with it, like it was quite interesting to sort of find out a bit more about it. Mm. So I was listening to the On Purpose podcast. Ah, oh, I love that. Yeah. So I can't, what's the name of the guy? Jay Shetty. So Jay Shetty um, has a four-step framework and it spells out goal, right? So the first one is growth, and then we have opportunities, action, and then learning, launching, loving. So 
Growth essentially means don't focus on the goal, focus on the growth. I've heard it phrased in a sort of a different way by a YouTuber called Ali Abdal, who talks about journey before destination. Yeah. Which, in essence, tell me if I'm wrong, is is this point of you want to you want to get to a point where you're happy working towards your goal and not just sacrificing your happiness until you meet the goal. Yeah, absolutely. There was another quote I heard ages ago. Desire is a contract that you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want. And so thinking about the idea of growth, it feels like the reason behind that step is to get yourself to think about it in a way where you're not even really focused on the goal. You're focused on building yourself to the point where you can be someone who does the thing actively rather than hitting like a milestone. That yeah. makes sense. Because as soon as you love that habit, you'll hit that goal yourself. Like that will just happen. Yeah. As soon as you like really, really love what you're doing. So hopefully one day I'll really, really love personal branding. Yeah. You know, I'd say that I'm on the way, but it's still a bit of a chore. Um, so yeah, really interesting. Mm. So that's, that's growth. What was the next one? Opportunities. So this is clarifying the criteria of opportunities you say yes and no to. So it's kind of what we said before about mm. being able to say no and also being able to say yes and having the confidence to say yes. Mm. Because there's going to be a lot of times where it might be like right place, right time, but you'll get presented with an opportunity or you could put yourself forward for, you know, applying for that that placement, you know, applying for sure scheme, applying for committee position, putting you trying to put your name forward for, you know, promotion. If like, you know, in a student project, I guess promotion, that is the right word. Yeah. Um, but having the, trying to have that confidence to try and set yourself up to succeed based off that opportunity, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, so yeah, just putting your name out there. And conversely, if you're thinking about pursuing an opportunity that you do like, but you do have a lot of other stuff on your plate already, and it's not something that you're massively invested in, um, choosing to say no to that instead to focus on the things that really matter. I feel like this podcast episode is going to be a lot of really randomly related um, pieces of information or signposts to things that will be really useful around this topic. Um, but another one of those that I remembered was a book called Hell Yes or No. I haven't read the book, but it's around the topic of um, essentially going after the things that you really, really care about and hyper-focusing on them. And leaving the things that you are, even even if you're still interested in them, but they just aren't massive focuses, massive focuses in your life, leaving those to the side. Yeah, if 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 by saying yes to this additional opportunity, it takes you further away from where you want to be, then that's when you say no, right? The crux is that you want to be in many different places at a time. For a lot of people, I think potentially. But, but let's say that for, for me, like I want to develop, like my goal is like develop personal branding and start doing these team building workshops for me to say yes to a committee position for Corfball, that isn't taking me in that direction. It's just spreading me over more sort of different opportunities. Yeah. And it's not like a hell yes, as you said. Yeah. So I think, I think it's a it's important to have like that appreciation of where you want to be going and try and say yes to those things that are hell yeses. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. The next one is action. So you got to build ideal, you got to build your ideal action plan. What does that mean? I think it brings together a lot of things that we've spoken about to this point where create that timeline for yourself and sort of mark the, the big goals that you want to hit. And then the action plan is how you actually go about getting to those goals. Mm. So there's a bit of like debate on whether you should set out and do tiny incremental things or whether you sort of have like a larger gap between them, I suppose. Right. Um, I think that's what it is. I've always thought that, and I come at this from the context of revision specifically, the aspect of chunking and say like telling yourself you need to revise chemistry versus telling yourself, I need to revise 
section 2.1 of this chapter of my chemistry syllabus. It makes it much easier to specifically quantify how much you're doing and what you're doing. Um, and in that sense, I've always felt that incremental goals in short time scales tend to work decently well. Yeah. The next one. So every year, essentially, the concept is every year you want to try and launch something. Right. So in in the podcast, um, he talks about how, like, let's say, I think that, I think the um, example he uses is like having a baby, right? Like launch a baby. Like that's what you're going to do this year. <laughs> okay. Right. But we can change. We can change. <laughs> in what sense are we launching a baby? So it's, yeah, not the physical sense. <laughs> okay. right? It's just that that's the thing that will happen that year. So, so for you, for example, like it could be um, becoming project lead at Kestrel right. is what you're launching okay, yeah. for that year, yeah. right? But the first thing is learning. Now, you want to learn everything that you need to know about the thing that you're going to launch, right? Yeah. So learning happens before you launch something, of course. So you want to set yourself up to be in the best position to launch that as possible. So for you, that has been... Um, going to uh, being the avionics lead for Kestrel, mm -hmm. learning the skills around it, attending all the meetings like and developing those skills that you're ready to step up. And it will also involve like potentially the handover of anything that like you don't know. Right. So so that kind of thing. Um, getting basically preparing yourself for the launch. Right. Mm. The final one is loving. Now, every year you want to do something that you are loving. Right. So after you've launched it, hopefully, right, it will be that you end up loving doing that. Or if you don't, then, you know, that's when something's like gone wrong as well. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of his, his mentality for, for, the, for the L. Um, so yeah. learning, launching, loving. Learning is positioning yourself in a way that you can be prepared to launch yep. when you do. Yep. The launching aspect is essentially just getting started with a specific goal yes and also completing the goal itself or like yes yeah, so like starting a newsletter would yeah. be like the launching of it yeah yeah and then the loving aspect is just either finding a way or reflecting on whether or not you actually do love what you do mm. interesting yeah so a little four-step framework that, that you could use um potentially well, definitely when you're planning sort of like your university career, mm -hmm. um, which is something that I wish I had done, to be honest, like from the start, because I didn't get involved in anything in first year and I could have still. But yeah. Right. There's also something that's like quite specific to learning. And that's about like making mistakes mm. and the importance of doing so, because I think most people know this. But like when you make mistakes, that's like when you will learn the most. Yeah. So. There's this rule for optimum learning, right. which is like errors 15% of the time Okay, will lead to like optimum learning. Oh, wow. Yeah. What do you think of that? So as in, say you're in a study environment, if you're tripping up 15% of the time, you're, you're optimizing for efficiently learning the topic. How does that make sense? Because so, surely doesn't, surely 100% would be the most efficient. No? Well, 100% wouldn't be optimum. Because if when you when you make mistakes, that's when your your brain will remember the thing, like the mistake that you've made, and that's how you will learn. Right. And it's also about the fact that if you are making errors fifty percent of the time, then what you're trying to do is too difficult, right? And if you are like never making an error, mm. you need to push yourself more. Oh, so it's about positioning yourself on things that you can learn. How does that? Oh, I understand what you mean. Mm. It's just a really mind-blowing concept. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you make errors 15% of the time, then you will learn the most efficiently or optimally for your, like, it could be knowledge in a subject. It could be, um, like, developing skills in a technical software or, you know, if you make mistakes in, like, your exam or in any sort of report or essay, yeah. then you can take that on to next time and that's when you will learn from it. So it's like a gauge for figuring out whether you're learning the right level of information, if that makes sense. 
I'm thinking about like preschool textbooks versus academic papers yes. and the, the the in between gap is is where you'd find that 15% error yeah. of of learning where you think okay this is the level of content I'm learning where I'm comfortable learning this and I'd be learning it most efficiently yeah absolutely okay and it's also about like the concentric circles that are you in your comfort zone and you learning like the most about something Oh, this is bringing me back to like A-level English language. There's a concept I remember called, I think, the zone of optimum learning, which is essentially related to your comfort zone and the idea of the further you go outside of that, you, you get to that optimum zone where you're not stressed, but you're also in an un uncomfortable position where you're making mistakes, but also getting the experience you need to most optimally get the skill set that you're trying to develop yeah so i know we've spoke about this before but in your opinion when is the best time to try and pick up a new hobby or to try and like begin your journey towards completing a goal i always come at this from the perspective of if you really want to do something and you have a goal set in your head or even a vision of something you want to achieve you're already set to go and there shouldn't really be anything to stop you from working towards it if you have the the passion for it and you can start thinking of ways that you want to go about it. And it reminds me of like around Christmas time when everyone starts setting New Year's resolutions. For me, I, I tried it a couple of years in a row and I tried it this year as well. Because to some extent, it is nice to know that the people around you are also working on themselves in certain ways and beginning to set those habits or those goals that bring them towards new opportunities or achieving new things but to a certain extent there was that other side of um the internet i guess or social media that always talked about this idea of if you're if you have a goal in mind why are you waiting for new years to start it like it's the 10th of march today um and i'd imagine listening to this well and i'd imagine if you're listening to this right now you have things that you do want to achieve um but it really is just a matter of getting getting a pen and paper sitting down or in some sense, maybe just reflecting and introspecting on what you want out of life and taking the measures or the steps to get to where you want to go. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate with yourself. Mm -hmm. So I thought that when I read your blog a while ago, there's two things. Just say yes. But then there's also this idea that actually beginning progress towards a goal or try like picking up a new hobby, starting that around big times of change mm -hmm. will actually lead to you being able to stick with it more. Mm -hmm. So I think so essentially it could be at the start of the academic year, right? Trying to pick up a new hobby for them. Because in theory, that could be a change of environment, like coming to university. Yeah. It could be going like from being home to uni. Or it could just be like the fact that lectures are starting again um, and trying to integrate a habit straight away from the start with your sort of general life, because that is new. So so then in theory, it's easier to stick with it rather than starting something like week six. Mm. So those sorts of situations definitely help. Changes of environment, I think, uh, from what I remember as well from that blog post that I wrote, do put you in a position where you feel... Well, uh, so many things are changing around you that implementing a new habit is, I guess, mixed in with everything else. And so in that sense, it doesn't feel like a new habit, really, because you're adapting to everything else anyway. Yeah. Um, but having said that, I don't think... I, I, w I wouldn't personally recommend waiting for those times to happen to start on things when you already have a plan in mind or a vision in mind of the kinds of things you want to achieve. I, I think that's that's very true. I, th I think that's sort of the division between the two. Yeah. Like if you sort of know what to do or you have that goal, that, that as you said, the dream, um, just like, just go for it. Mm. Um, but if it's like a couple of weeks to a big change of environment, have a think about what you could change you yeah. know, and what you could include um, and how you could work to that, towards that big goal. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think that was a bit of a mix of an episode. <laughs> so... 
we did just sort of throw a lot of stuff at you there. So if you've come this far, let us know what you think of that. Um, if that was something that you enjoyed or any other feedback we really would appreciate. Mm, for sure. To round it off though, what would be your key takeaways that you'd want listeners to get out of the episode? I can start us off. Yeah. Give me, give me a minute. Like you did earlier. I'll let you go first. <laughs> I would say, well, go, going back to the very beginning and the way I always approach goal setting, I'd very much um, emphasize that idea of starting out with ambition and not limiting yourself in any way. But then once you have a vision, once you have some some big dream that you aren't limiting yourself on, that you do know you're really passionate about and want to go towards, putting that into realistic, achievable terms. Those two things, I think, are the biggest takeaways that I'd want to give someone. And I think I would also add on to that the the specific ways of making it achievable in terms of smart goals, input-based goals, to actually turn it into a framework or a system that you can implement in your daily life to get yourself to move towards those mountain peaks is how I put it in terms of metaphors. Because a lot of this stuff is, you know, a journey up a mountain and you want to get satisfaction out of climbing rather than hitting the peak. Yeah, that's a good one. I I think my takeaway, my big takeaway would be like right now, wherever you are in education, whether you're like a third year or whether you're in sixth form, right? Right, right now, get a pen and paper and just write out what you want to achieve in what years. And if you're sat there and you don't know, then hopefully, you know, you could go back and listen to some of our other podcasts and try and get an idea of what there is to do out there. Um, and also just like research stuff, you know. So if you know that you want to go to university, but you don't know the course or if you've got your course selected and you've been accepted to come to university in September, research that particular university, see what societies, clubs and, and different Um, extracurricular things you could get involved with on top of your course and try and map out a plan for yourself Um, and that can include summer placements or years in industry Um, so yeah I think trying to have that visual of of what you want to achieve is is a really good place to work from great we'll wrap up there then thank you very much for listening thank you for listening and we'll see you next time see you next time thank you